felt pretty confident going into this one, but just like BDC has showed us all year long, they're not going to make anything easy. And in this time, everything sort of just fell apart. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome. This is Locked On BC, your team every day. I'm your host, AJ Black, and I'm joined today by Mitch Wolf of Eagle Insider. BC falls to Pitt 24-16. Both Mitch and I picked BC to win this game, and there's a lot of reasons they lost this. Mitch, let's talk about it. Man, I, I had a lot of things to say, and they kind of all just melded together so that I had nothing to come up with because this game is just awful from pretty much start to finish. Um, refs were terrible. Uh, BC was bad. Um, and of course there were glimmers of hope that make you think it might be possible, but at the end of the day, that just doesn't happen. Um, I think the biggest issue with this game was the offensive play calling. Uh, BC was running the ball basically at will through Pitt's defense through for the, pretty much the entire game, except in the second quarter when they just abandoned the run for no reason. And every time they stopped doing it, they pretty much always had a bad play. And there were multiple times where they were running and running and getting lots of yards and getting lots of yards. Then they would do something else and it would not work. And that was, and that's really what just doomed them because any, because, you know, even, even at one point when I thought Thomas Castellanos was settling into a rhythm as a passer, I was typing out the tweet saying that and he threw with the, the interception, in the red zone. Into um, double coverage. Into double coverage. Yes. And on the defensive side, you know, playing a third string quarterback against one of the worst offenses in the ACC, if not the FBS. And Nate Yarnell looked like an all ACC quarterback um, pretty much did whatever he wanted. Uh, some blown coverages, uh, just terrible tackling in a game. Oh, Mitch, I think we're losing you. Yep. Yeah. Terrible tackling. There was issues on the defensive side with, secondary uh, guys being out of position. There was that, you know, you look at all the problems. Sorry, I'm back. All right, cool. I didn't know I had to turn the mute off, but yeah, I mean, penalties were back um, and defense just looked out of position a lot. You know, they got some stops here and there, um, but you know, even I thought early in the game, they did a good job of stymieing Pitt's run game. And then, Pitch started breaking off some huge runs that got them out of the, that big touchdown run. There was the one that got them out of the shadow of their own end zone. And yeah, I mean, it was just a debacle and you could kind of see it coming because it's just like, you know, you keep seeing what's happening. Like every drive was the same as BC would run the ball a few times. They would get a bunch of yards and then they would start trying to do other stuff and it just would not work. Um, and, you know, Tom Scaslanos got bailed out by some crazy good catches and, um, I'm not yeah. sure how much him getting pressured was on the offensive line because Dan Mullen, I mean, Dan Mullen's a great, is a great commentator. Cause he was explaining, he was explaining the whole cage rush thing where Pitt was doing a good job of, you know, they, they weren't rushing to sack Castellanos. They were just rushing to squeeze the pocket and that worked a lot of the time. And then later on B, Pitt was just sending the house and because BC had to throw, they couldn't keep enough people in the pass protect. And that was forcing Castellanos out of the pocket. Um, yeah. It was just a, Terrible, terrible game. So I want to I want to 
I feel like we're we're a little far away from um uh why can't I even think of the Seinfeld I mean it's so late in the night. Um uh, what's the holiday in Seinfeld? Oh, Festivus. Festivus, where airing of grievances. I want to look at some of the the decisions that they were making, both coaching and players on the offensive side of the ball. And we kind of just kind of glazed over it a little bit, but glossed over it. But if I have to watch Thomas Castellanos, and we called it both the YOLO ball, where he just you, you you're moving the ball effectively with with Ty Kai Robichaud. You're you're running five yards, six yards, five yards, and then he just goes back and hucks it up for forty yards. In the play to Joseph Griffin, he had the wrong read. He was throwing it on the inside, and then Griffin was cutting. No, he's throwing the I outside. I think he thought he thought he he thought he had Dino Tomlin, who was running like a wheel fade to the outside, but he had Griffin on the deep post over the middle, and he right. just flo- he just floated it up to really nobody, and he was lucky that one didn't get picked too. Right. So that's the thing with these passes too; they're not close to anyone no. no. week after week. So that I I it's partially on Castellanos because he's got a he needs to know better. You know, mm-hmm. I know it's college football, but like you got to be able to make some basic reads on that. Like just hucking it up is not the best idea. And some of it's on the coaching staff who honestly, like at, at some points when he does crap like that, bench him. Like you need to set an example. Like he needs to get it in his head that he can't do those types of things because it kills drives. Like as much as, as fun as, you know, we, we've both talked about it. We've all, we've actually taken a, a little bit, you know, we've hit the pump, the brakes on it. The Castellanos has made some big plays this year, but he's also we're just watching as this year goes on. He's he's been more of the the catalyst to get them off the field than anyone else on that team. Yeah, absolutely. Just yeah, I mean he's clearly just not processing what throws he needs to be making consistently enough. And when he when he when it isn't there, he's just making like the worst possible decision by uh, you know just floating these balls. Uh, into coverage where they can be picked off easily. Um, still not understand like this. It's like some, I mean, I think again, at, at one point I was like, okay, like he's kind of starting to get it. Um, and I thought that BC's first drive, it looked pretty good because they were, you know, had him do some screen passes, um, had him, they, the one that got batted was a play action, which ha- the guy was open. They just had two guys rushing from that side. So I like, I like those plays, but then yeah, the second, like in the second quarter, they just went throw to like just throw all the time. It's like, what what are we doing? Like, this is crazy. Right. You have a strength on your offense. You're able to run the ball, go with it. And you uh, explain your meme that you used with, uh, with um, Thanos. Yeah. So BC interruption tweeted running up the middle. Yay. And you know, I tweeted uh, the Thanos meme uh, after, Oh, what is it? I now I can't think of the quote. Um, it's like after all, all, uh, all of your failure. Where has it brought you back to me? And I quoted that or caption that was somewhere in College Station because we're now finally on Steve Adazio's side and just saying just, just run the ball up the middle every play. And in this game, pretty much every time they ran the ball up the middle, they got a lot of yards. And the probably the times it didn't was when they brought in that, and it was successful sometimes. But later in the game, it started to not be as effective. Was that jumbo package where they had seven offensive linemen, a tight end, and a fullback, and then Castellanos and Robichaux. And Pitt was like, okay, well, they're not going to pass out of that formation. And they tried to a few times and they actually had some like a good quarterback design run kind of thing. But especially in the red zone, you know, the defense just completely keyed on the run because nothing else was going to happen. So 
you know, and I think uh, Mullen was saying it. He was like, listen, they got to, they can still run if they spread them out. And that's exactly what they, sh- that's what I said going into this game because of how willing is Pitt, how aggressive Pitt plays and how uh, they use their defense in terms of having base personnel. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it just, it, it was just, it's, it was crazy to watch the game because you just kept seeing them do the same thing over and over again. It's like, why are they just not committing to the run? And, you know, sometimes, obviously, like, you know, if they, what they would go on first, if they run on first down, they didn't get like if they got like one yards or zero yards, then they would immediately go to do something else. It's like, just keep running. It is going to break like every time it, you just need to be more patient with it. And they just got too scared and went to the passing game, which was just too risky and wasn't working. The, the explosive with it was there. There was at least, I counted at least three or four runs by Robichaux and, and Dan Mullen brought it up where the, there was like a, a, a safety, like hanging onto his leg. And yeah, like, and that's, just, when, when you design a run play, that's exactly what you want. You want him getting into the second level where it's him in a one-on-one situation with the safety. Now, Robich is not going to make many guys miss. He's probably, he can run through some and get yards after contact, but you just keep doing that. And and it was amazing. And they mentioned on the broadcast, he was, and I, I even said early in the game, they got to give Broom some more carries. Um, so Robich is fresh for the fourth, for the fourth quarter. And he was as fresh as ever. He was getting seemingly, it was the opposite of diminishing returns. He was getting increasingly more yards as he was getting more carries because the defense was so tired of tackling him. So that was really frustrating. Um, Again, penalties, and uh, there weren't. It was the most they've had since the Louisville game. Um, actually, no, since technically Florida State, because they had eight, which is one more than Louisville. Um, but they all just seem to come at the worst times. Um, yeah. The the scramble by Castellanos for a touchdown. The, the 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 second one that was, it was a real touchdown, but the penalty was there. You know, there was the uh, one where he tiptoed down the sidelines, and I think you could argue he got in, but BC also got gifted a touchdown to Lewis Bond in most in the most insane catch ruling I, I've ever seen. I've never yeah. seen anything like that. I don't think I will again. Like that, I think that was just a blatant missed call. The refs were, as I tweeted, on absolute heater tonight of just being awful. Um, but again, it, it hurt both teams. It helped both teams. So it doesn't really matter, but it was just crazy watching how poorly they managed the game. Um, yeah. And, and then and again, like BC had opportunities to win this game. You know, they get down to the red zone and Castellanos throws that pick. If they just keep running the ball, they get in the end zone there. Um, I think on their last drive, they got into the red zone where they kicked the field goal. I can't remember off the top of my head exactly how that developed. Oh, that they had the holding. That was the one. Yeah, there's a trapezo that, one. That's a little tougher. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just really frustrating to see them not learn. And, I, and again, it was weird because in the first half, they were super pass heavy. And then the second half, they came out and were more run. He was like, okay, they got it. They're just going to keep running. And then they wouldn't. It's like, why? Just just keep running. It's working. Just keep doing it. Like, it's so just really, really Yeah, they went on a 10-0 run, I think, at one point. Yeah, exactly. And then they just went right back again. So anyways, we're going to be back in a moment because – that's just one part of the issue that went on today. We're going to look at the defense, which is another major problem in this game. We'll get into that in just a second. Now, prize picks is one of the most fun I've had winning up to 25 times my money this football season. And now I can play during basketball season too. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats and place your entry. With the basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two more players across different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James and Travis Kelsey get 10.5 three-pointers made and receptions. So this week, I'm thinking I'm going to take uh, two picks, Stefan Kari scoring 29 points and Nikola Jokic scoring 10 rebounds or grabbing 10 rebounds. Excuse me. That's, that's what I would pick. Now, PrizePix even offers a reboot policy, so if things happen, you're covered. It's the only place that does this. Now, 
Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. This is Locked on BC. I'm your host, AJ Black. And now we're going to talk about the defense, who had their mo- had a few moments there. But I feel like after watching some of those downs, the, the, the play that was emblematic of this whole thing was, and I'm not going to make an, an inappropriate joke, which I was thinking of doing, but I won't go there, was Kyrie Johnson making the most blatant targeting call I've ever seen in my life on a play that he, he launched himself with the crown of his head like right into the guy's neck. It was, it was horrible. And that just kind of was emblematic of like, you just felt like that was, that was what set up this whole thing. Like you played against a first time quarter, second time quarterback guy, only making a second start. You made him look all ACC, you, you know, you're, you're, they, they had a defensive line, offensive line that was one of the worst in the country. And Rodney Ham, Hammond ran for what? 160 yards. They yeah, DC couldn't get a lick of pressure. They couldn't get a lick of pressure yet. You know, it, it was the same, it, it, you know, guys out of place, guys missing tackles. It was, it was just a complete cluster bleep of a defense. And it seems to be, that's exactly who they are now. Yeah, it's, it was everything. Um, this is the Stefan from SNL meme. This defense is everything, but it's terrible. Um, you know, that it's clear that injuries are taking their toll on this team, but it's kind of, that's, you know, that happens to every team and you need to find a way to play through it or suspensions, whatever. Um, and yeah, I mean, BC just looked woefully unprepared out there. Um, guys just missing tackles in space. Um, again, I thought the defensive line played well in terms of run defense early on. Uh, really didn't let Pitt get anything going, but uh, Nate Yarnell was just dealing out there, uh, picking apart the zone defense. Uh, the, he hit that spot route on the mesh concept like three times and just guy was wide open. Um, he had some running players. I, I think those were just like, it's because the defense is crashing so hard on the run, on the run, which that's what they're being coached to do. Cause you don't think this guy's going to kill you as a rusher. And, you know, he converted a few first downs. So that's kind of sucks. Um, and uh, I, I think penalties were more a problem on the offense and the defense, but um, I mean, that the one, the holding on Amari Jackson took away the one sack they did have. Um, and yeah, I mean, the Kari Johnson penalty, I mean, I think to BC's credit, I think that's their first targeting of the year. Um, but I mean, that was just a ridiculous play. I mean, I, if, if, if college football ever does adopt the kind of like flagrant one flagrant two model that yep. basketball has, that's going to be the textbook, like flagrant two targeting like that. Like that is what targeting the penalty and ejection system is trying to eliminate. Cause that was reckless, stupid, malicious. I mean, I don't know malicious, but just insane. Why, why he did that. And, you know, he gets kicked out of the game and then BC's down to their, uh, well, backup free safety and, they're starting strong safety who shouldn't be playing period. Um, and yeah, it was just more of the same. Uh, eventually, you know, the, they hold up against the run for a little bit, then they get gashed by some explosives. They can't get pressure and uh, guys are just struggling to stay in phase and coverage. So it's just. It's just and, and and you watch the film a lot. I don't know if you've noticed it. I, I noticed it a lot today. They get beat hard on misdirections and any sort of, um, change in direction like if a guy you know any 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 sort of misdirection it seems like they're they immediately bite on it and they they have real trouble um saying you know keeping their integrity on those types of plays like 
I think it was the Hammond touchdown. It was John. Yeah, Peeble. he juked Damari Jackson out of his jock strap, and then Victor Nelson just couldn't make the play. And I think this is this is a problem with BC's defense in general. It, maybe outside of the defensive line because it's not as not as important there. But actually, it, it is it is it is somewhat a problem there as well. This team just lacks athleticism on defense, and yeah. that makes when you make mistakes. Uh, you're out of position. Yeah, you don't have the athleticism to recover. That's going to create problems. So that's why you see uh, guys like John, John People, Victor Nelson, Cole Batson, even Nato Akpala, who has had a, a pretty decent year. Like he misses a ton of tackles, and usually they're in the backfield and hits one on one, and he gets he misses the tackle and it goes for a big gain. Uh, you know, Cam Arnold still misses a tackle here and there. Um, Vinny De Palma, obviously an athletically limited player. You know, he's smart. He knows what's going on. He just can't do anything about it because he's not fast enough. So, and I think part of the issue with that, again, you know, with the linebackers, you know, Jalen Black was out for the year. Bryce Steele's been out for the whole year. So you're, you're lacking some athleticism there, but you know, when, when this team takes the field on defense, they are just so behind the eight ball in terms of athleticism that as we saw one of the worst, uh, the probably the worst offense in the ACC and one of the worst offense, the power five was able to pretty much do whatever they wanted for most of this game. And the lack of explosives on defense is what stands out to me too. And it kind of goes back to your speed. It's just when you make a play here and there, a sack, you saw it with Pitt, right? When Pitt did Mm -hmm. it to Thomas Castellanos, it really messed up BC's offense. And they had Mm -hmm. to adjust their scheme. They had to fit in and it got them off schedule. And I think you've said before, a sack is almost as good as a turnover at times, right? Yeah, basically the, the likelihood that that kills the drive is basically the equivalent of a turnover. Yeah. So BC doesn't get any of that. Even even tackles for loss, and that's such a big part of this, is that they just don't create any tackles for loss. So then offenses, even if they do, and normally I'm like, if it's a two or three yard gain on first down and they run, I'm like, okay, it's fine. But the fact that they can never get a team into second and 11, second and 12, or even or even like on second and five, if they run and get them to third and eight, third and nine, it's always, it feels like it's always third and four, third four. and five, which is very convertible, even for you know, mediocre offenses. And, you know, we talked about how this like BC defense has been good against bad, bad offenses and Pitt's offense is turbo bad. And I think we just have to admit BC's defense is turbo bad. I mean, it's just, they're just not getting anything done that helps this team win games. So zero sacks and two tackles for a loss that Mm -hmm. entire game. So in our final segment, Mitch and I are going to go over, where do we go from here? BC sits at six and five. I'll have some thoughts. Mitch might sit some of us out, but I'm going to, I'm going to get into it. You're going to want to hear my thoughts on this in just a moment. Now I have to pick a a player of the game for this. Oh boy. I'm going to pick Liam Connor. Now time for your game changer of the week brought to you by athletic brewing company. Just just give it to Nate Yarnell. I don't care. (laughs) Yeah. Much like Liam Connor athletic brewing company has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. So while BC was unable to do anything offensively, Liam Connor hit three field goals. Four, if you count the one that Jeff Affley iced him on. Now, Athletic Brewing Company has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good because they have 50 styles of craft non-alcoholic beers, including IPAs, Golden Sours, and more for any type of palate. They're great tasting and award-winning. And they're always thinking of new things. The best thing about Athletic Brewing, it's no hangovers ever. You can find it anywhere, bars, in stores, and online. And now... First-time customers can use code LOCKEDON to get 15% off your first online order. That's code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout for 15% off at Athletic Brewing. Near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all time. This is Locked on BC, AJ Black. 
Thank you all who are first time listeners here checking this out. Hit that like and subscribe button. If we do this every day, we're the only Boston College podcast that talks about BC sports every day. I, I, I have something wrong with me, I think. I don't know. But to, to wrap this up, let's talk about where things go from here. BC had every opportunity to win their seventh game. We're now seeing that that five-game win streak wasn't much to talk about because other than maybe a Georgia Tech, you beat a bunch of bad teams. Where does BC go from here? They got to play Miami next. A team full of athletes. A team full of, yeah, I, I thought maybe, you know, bringing them up north that BC would be playing tough. If you're playing an athletic team like Miami full of guys that, you know, can run and burn, BC's going to get smoked. They're not, they're not anywhere near where Miami's going to be doing because you, you're going to get some points on some explosives. Thomas Castellanos is going to futz around again, and they're going to get blown out. So six and six. That's what I'm seeing right now. Where do you go from here? Do you Is this enough to keep the staff on? Will BC move on from Jeff Halfley? Blake James did not hire him. That was Martin Jarmond. Martin Jarmond loved Jeff Halfley. Not sure what Blake James thinks. But I can tell you from what I saw on the field this year, it hasn't been very impressive. There were there were flashes, but we have not seen consistent football under Jeff Halfley in the four years he's been here. I would not be surprised if he made a move, but it's Boston College. BC moves at the speed of a glacier. They're gonna have to wait another they might have to wait another year until everything falls apart before they decide to make a move. But I'm gonna say this I wouldn't be surprised if they do. That's my thoughts on that, Mitch. I know you don't want to talk about it, but Mitch, what are the things you're thinking about? No, you know, I've changed my mind. I'll talk about it. Um, I think it's time to make a change. Yep. I think that you, you said that Halfley has not been coaching assistant football teams. I think it has been very consistent in that it is six and six, like it, like a dozen before him, probably worse. It's six and six every year. And I would say that in each of the seasons down this, when we get through October, things are usually pretty good. Uh, we think the team's hitting their stride and then in November, everything falls apart. And I don't know why that is, but that's been, I think that's a consistent theme, uh, for the last few seasons. And I mean, again, 2020 you can kind of throw out, but I mean, this loss, this might be down there with the Yukon game in terms of how embarrassing and inexcusable this is. And NIU, you can throw that in there. And NIU for sure. I mean, and I, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is worse because NIU is actually a decent Mac team. At least Pitt, Pitt is a, bad ACC team by all measures. And, and now we know BC is as well. So um, we're, we're seeing that there's a, a significant issue with the recruiting right now. Um, I think there's been a, a numerous misses in evaluation and who's getting the majority of snaps. Um, so I, you know, ba- just based on the results of how, how things are going, I, especially with next year with a, Next year with a much harder schedule, that it's it, the results are not. I just can't see a path where the, that path. There's the path again. I don't see a world where the results are better. Um, you know, there were plenty of opportunities for this team to finish eight, like finish strong, eight and four, nine and three, what have you. And you know, again, I I I think we underestimated Virginia Tech. I, I feel pretty solid about my evaluation of Pitt. These were teams they should have beaten, or at least, or at least Virginia Tech should have been very competitive with. They got blown out, and then I mean, I don't think BC ever led in this game. And even if they did, it felt like Pitt was in control the entire time. So, yeah. um, I just think it's time to make a change. I just don't think I just don't see a realistic path for things to get better with Jeff Halfley at the helm. Yep, 
And I, th- I think folks are asking, like, will they wait? If you've been following college football right now, honestly, if BC is going to make a move, they should do it tomorrow. I- I'm not joking because I was saying to Mitch, the way that the transfer portal works now, you want to have your new head coach in place when it opens up at the end of the season. You do not want to be in the midst of a coaching search and then trying to get guys to come in when you don't have anyone in place. So co- that's why you saw Mississippi state, Texas A&M, you're seeing all these coaches, you know, rumors of Kip Ch- chip Kelly, all these things happening. If BC is serious about this, or, or if Blake James is going, this is what I want to do. This is the time to do it now. Don't wait till the Miami game. Do it now. You know, let Chud coach the last game or whoever and finish it out. I I I wouldn't be surprised cuz like but then it's BC, so, you know, they're we've had enough of things happen in our past that I could see them not being for, you know, having the right foresight and screw that all up too. But I just think the problem with that is going into next year. Like last year you could say, okay, like we were really banged up, you know, everything just broke against us. We can, you know, we throw that year out, we move on and we, and like, obviously BC is much better this year, but, but at the end of the day, like there isn't a long, there hasn't been long-term growth with this program and this team. Um, And I just don't see with the pieces on the roster now and how it's constructed and, what's coming in with the recruiting class. I just don't see how it's going to change, how it's going to get better. Um, and maybe that's short sighted of me. Maybe I'm not being imaginative enough, but um, I just, I just don't really see it. Right. And everything I've heard you guys know, I cover recruiting is when we start winning more, when we start winning more, well, you didn't win more. So like a guy like Henry Hasselback, who, you know, I know that they're still going after like, He's going to look at you and go, oh, you're six and six BC and Halfway's probably going to, if he's not here and gone ne- this year, he's probably going to be gone next year. Why would I go there? You know what I mean? So it's, it's like, you're kind of stuck in neutral. My last thought, and we talked about him earlier and I hate bringing him up because I think, feel like we did at the beginning of, I used to do it all the time at the beginning of this podcast um, years and years ago. As I look at the schedule and people keep mentioning like, is Steve Adazio and Jeff Halfley the same? They're different in, in many senses, but I want to give Daz credit. It's, the thing with Steve Adazio was he'd beat, other than Kansas, Kansas was awful. Uh, but other than that, I felt like he beat every team that he should beat and then lost to everybody else. So I wonder, and my thought is, I feel like a Daz would have gone eight and four with this team. I don't know. That's my thoughts. Probably. I think this this was definitely easier than many of the schedules he had. Uh, yep. during his time here, I, I I think I don't disagree. I don't I don't think there should be revisionist, revisionist history and go back and say, oh, it was a mistake to fire him. Uh, no, I think that that had run its course. I think the, the program was definitely stagnating, and um, you know, I, th- I think we saw how we think how he handled things at Colorado State in the following year. I, I think it would have been pretty bad for BC. So, yeah, I, I think it's it's disappointing um, that things didn't work out better, but. At the end of the day, this is a results-oriented business, and the results. And I, I, I still bristle a bit at the oh, like BC should always be winning like nine. Should be like it's like the Tom O'Brien should always be that. It's like well, I'm not sure that that's realistic. Um, but where they are now is not acceptable for what Boston College football can and should be. Especially um, when you have a golden goose in front of you like the schedule, like it lead. You can't get it to lay out any better than it did this year. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so 
from and the again, block. like like you said, like may, maybe maybe next year is uh, maybe if they win if they win a few games, win, win some of these games going down the stretch. You know, maybe, maybe next maybe next year they they fire him anyways. But you at least have the momentum of hey, hey, we we won a lot of our games down the stretch. You get a better recruiting class, and you set the team up better. And next year things come crashing back to earth, and then then you make a change. But it's already crashing to earth now, so it, it's time to it's it's time to I think it's time to move on. All right, Mitch. Nice, fun way to end this episode, but I mean, we're going into this like uh, with with pretty uh, d- depressing th- thoughts, anyway. So let's wrap this up. Where can people find your work? You can find me at Mitchell T Wolf W O L F E on Twitter. Um, we'll have a game rewatch. It's not going to be pretty. Uh, You're not my, doing a I'm, three stars. I'm not letting. I'm not doing a three stars. Absolutely not. My my brain might break rewatching this game. Um, but have it done anyways. Then we'll be previewing Miami, which I'm sure is going to be. A whole boatload of fun. So, but just keep your eyes on Eagle Insider. Um, I think we do the best job covering BC football, even when it's at its lowest. Yep. And if any news breaks, you know we'll have it there first. And uh, I, as long as I'm not at my day job, I'll try to break. We'll, if anything happens, I'll get on locked on as soon as I can. So follow us on any any app that you have. My brain is complete mush now. Um, or follow us on YouTube. Hit the like button. Subscribe. Do all that good stuff. Thank you all so much for all of you who are new again, appreciate you for stopping by and spending some time with us for all of you that are returners or everydayers. We love you. I see football fan, Frankie Russell, Rob T Marty party, Len Suber, E money bags, Josh Doggerty. You guys are always out there. Thank you all so much for making locked on BC your team every day.